Today on the Zabecast, it was UFC's night in the spotlight Saturday, and the sport could not have asked for a better way to claim some new fans. What idiot would argue for less sports during a nearly sportsless pandemic? Oh, right, a guy who calls poker on ESPN. Charge joins me from the Great White North. All that plus, I saw my parents on Sunday. Everything's going great. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, May 11, 2020, thank you for joining me and happy two-month anniversary of the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. It's not happy! I know. I know. I kept saying all along, wait until a month from now. And whatever day it was, if it was April 1st, I said wait till May 1st and wait till June 1st. And the world's going to look a whole lot different. Certainly, things have changed so much. We have learned so much in two months. And we have so much data. A lot of it's really bad, but we have so much now we can guide our response on versus two months ago, where we basically in a panic said, holy shit, shut everything down. We have so much more now to lean on and to go, okay, so it looks like we this is how it's going, so let's do this and let's do that. And yet it seems like our response is getting dumber by the day, but more on that later. Let's start with the M, M. A UFC 249, I actually watched, or at least quote watched, I had on in the background as I worked, all four of the free fights that were on ESPN. I had thought about buying the other ones almost out of loyalty, or not loyalty, but out of a reward to the UFC for being the first sport out of the gate in America post-coronavirus shutdown. I really, really appreciate and I applaud Dana White for doing this. Stand up and fucking fight, you sports. Are you listening? Are you watching? The fact that he said, fine, we'll find a place that'll have us. Jacksonville, Florida, my adopted hometown. Boom. Yeah, we can adhere to no fans, distance the people out and around, bing, bang, boom. Yeah, we could do that. Oh, we need testing? We'll get tests. They went out and they got 1,200 tests. They they tested their fighters. They got a couple of positive tests back at the last minute. A lot of the hand-wringing and, oh, this is going to be a disaster. He said, okay, you guys are out. You're positive. And the fights went on. Apparently, Joe Rogan, who I think I'm becoming more and more like Costanza, with uh, his his uh, bro buddy uh, uh, Dan Cortezi in Seinfeld, he just he's like he just wants to be him. I'm becoming such a Joe Rogan fanboy; it's embarrassing. But apparently, Joe Rogan threw a fit prior to the matches because someone tried to say you can't go in the ring and interview fighters afterwards. You have to stay, you know, socially distanced. He was like, fuck that. I've been tested. They've been tested. We're all negative. I'm getting in there. I'm doing my job. And he shook everyone's hand, which a number of the Karens on social media, hey, he's shaking hands. I, oh, I'll never do that again. Oh, for fuck's sake, people. So I watched all four of the free matches, but 
God bless the UFC for doing it. And yes, when sports comes back, the other leagues, there will be players who do test positive. Oh, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And you're just going to have to deal with it. What if a guy's out for two weeks in the middle of the playoffs? What if Giannis tests positive? I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. This is going to happen. Do you think no athlete is ever going to get it again, aside from the handful of athletes who have contracted it or tested positive? You're crazy. Are you not paying attention? How how many people have had this thing and it's already been passed around and we're only a couple months into this and it's going to spread around for 18 months to two years until it finally soaks every corner and it all peters out? I mean, okay, I'm yelling now, right? These sports have got to stand up and fight for their existence or lie down and fucking die. I don't care. It's your league. It's your millions and millions of dollars. Go ahead if you want to. Light it on fire. It's funny because each league is different in terms of its stance right now. I don't know if I mentioned this on Friday here on the Zabecast. I might not have come to this realization until Friday morning. Did you see what the NFL did with their scheduling? They open up right out of the gate by putting the Dallas Cowboys in L.A., in their new stadium against the Rams on opening night on Sunday night. On Monday night, they sent the Pittsburgh Steelers to New York to take on the New York Giants across the river in Jersey. The balls on this league, I love it. I asked the question on Friday, I said, does does the NFL, are, are they setting up for a possible big fuck you showdown with Gavin Newsom in the state of California and with New York or New Jersey saying, what, you going to ban fans? You, you, you want to do this? You, you going to not let us play? What? We're planning on playing. They sent the league. They could have sent anybody. They could have kept, by the way, the Rams out of their home stadium to start the year. But they sent the Cowboys, America's team, right to L.A., and they sent the Steelers, America's other team, right to New York. That tells me either they are on a collision course with two middle finger guns raised saying, fuck you, what are you going to do? We're the NFL. Fuck this nonsense. We're playing and we plan on having fans come September, which is still a ocean away of time. Or, alternate theory, the league knows something. The league's been talking to somebody and that there is high-level understandings between the governments and the authorities in both areas that, yeah, come September, we're not going to be able to hold to this militant stance. I love it. Now, there are trapdoors and collapsible portions of the NFL schedule that have been pointed out in case they have to delay the start of the season or shorten it, but I, I don't see it. I don't. The NBA, meanwhile, Adam Silver had a conference call with all the players all the league players, a big big conference call. I hope everyone put their phones on mute, or at least they did with player reps. And he struck a very apocalyptic tone. Said basically, we don't have a decision yet. We don't have a plan yet. We may not even have a plan or a decision until June. It's going to be very difficult, he said. Uh, they think they would like to go with the two-location idea, Orlando and or Las Vegas. They said 
uh, Adam Silver said there will be no fans when they return. He said there may be no fans until 2022 or not, you know, the 2021-22 season. So in other words, there may be no fans the rest of this year and maybe no fans next year as well. (laughs) Wow, Adam. The NBA Players Association head, Michelle Roberts, said there would be a number of players that said uh, that would uh, complain. She said, let me get this straight. She said there would be a number of players she envisions that would have concerns about safety. Okay, we all have concerns about safety. Here's what's crazy, though. If you're to actually look at the numbers, the actual mortality, for anybody under 45, and especially anybody under 45 who is healthy, like an NBA player, it is it is so tiny. They have a higher risk of dying of syphilis or gonorrhea or whatever it was Al Capone died of from banging all these road sluts than they do of the coronavirus. There is no perfectly safe, but okay. Adam Silver seems to be the one commissioner that might, because of his style, And these NBA players, because they get paid so much money and because I think most of them don't make a whole lot of money extra for the playoffs and thinking that even the stars who have received so much of their salary so far, there's only 12 games of revenue missing out of the 82. This is the league, after all, that has invented, pioneered, and taken to a whole new offensive level for the paying customer, the notion of load management. I'm going to get paid for all 82 regular season games, but I'm only going to play 70 because, you know, it's tiring. If ever there was a league that might just say, you know what, fuck it, we're done, it's the NBA. I've come to this realization of the leagues that may just lay down and die. The NBA could be the one. We'll see. Baseball. They're about to put a proposal on the desk of the players that says, 80 or so game schedule starting in July, uh, home stadiums, minimized travel, regional, blah, blah, blah. You know, it looks pretty good. Uh, apparently a full-time DH for all teams. But there's apparently now going to be a money angle to it that the owners want the players to take an even bigger haircut in terms of revenues. And that, according to early reports, this could be serious enough that it could scuttle the season. Wouldn't that be perfect if... We get the coronavirus under control. Baseball has a plan to start up right around the 4th of July. And then the players are like, nah, fuck this, man. We need more money. We're not taking this much of a haircut. The players apparently have already been given $170 million up front and told you can distribute this as you see fit. We'll just give you that up front. And then if there's no season played, there's no more money for anybody. But if there is a season played, then you'd get a prorated portion of your salary. That apparently has been agreed to, but now the owner's like, well, but you see, the prorated part, that if we don't have any fans, then yeah, that's going to have to be lower. Imagine the optics of baseball. You know, the NBA might just lie down and die because they're soft. What if baseball and the long-simmering feud between the owners and players, which has died down in recent, what if baseball shoots itself in the head like, yeah, we could play, but nah. We're, 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 we're arguing over money. The NHL, meanwhile, has been very quiet. Maybe something stirs on that front this week. All I know is this. God bless the UFC. 
They're the ones who said, we're going to stand up and find a way. We're going to fight our way back. I really appreciate it. And some great highlights as well. I, even though without the crowd, it wasn't nearly as exciting, and I'm looking forward to watching UFC fight when there are fans again, and I, I might start consuming more UFC. But it, even without it, just the announcers going crazy was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> And you don't even need that many fans. If you had put about 500 fans spaced out in that arena, it would have given it some atmosphere. The best image of the night belonged to Nico Price, who had his right eye completely closed up. Big gash under the right eye. Uh, His fight with Vicente Luque had to be stopped. And afterwards, while they're standing there waiting for the decision, which we all knew was going to be Luque, Nico Price was all jacked up and like mean mugging and posing with his jacked up face. Here was the hit that did it. Oh, good stuff. Like I said, I, I watched, or at least I had on in the background, all four of the prelims, and I watched a good chunk of them. And uh, it was cool. You know, Cowboy Cerrone, Cerrone got beat uh, by Pettis, who's from Milwaukee. And the two are like friends. And a lot of these guys are friends. So even though they're beating the shit out of each other and blood's flowing and everything else, afterwards they're hugging, they're smiling, they're like, good fight, man, good fight. And you could hear that a lot more because there was not fans in the stands. Just a last thought on sports and coming back and standing up and figuring out a way to play your season, no matter what it takes. I'm constantly reminded of the Jack Buck moment when he introduced fans back 11 days. I think it was 11 days, 10, 11 days after 9-11 when the whole country was on edge. We were trying to process this threat now like, holy shit, are there sleeper cells of terrorists that are going to come shoot people and blow things up? I mean, what world are we living in? And fans, when they had the chance, said, I will go to a packed stadium and I will trust that our security is good enough. And Jack Buck had this eloquent introduction that night to the game. I don't know. I don't know about you. But as for me, the question has already been answered. Should we be here? Yes. Amen to that. We need a little bit of that spirit. Should we show others how to demonstrate our resolve? Yes, and we shall do it here this evening. That's a special moment in baseball history brought to you by Geico. Jack Buck, the Hall of Fame announcer, battling Parkinson's disease and his speech when baseball returned following the events of September 11th. There you go. The great uh, Dick Enberg uh, calling that when he was calling the Padres games. I I was going to say the late Dick Enberg. Uh, Dick Enberg? Yeah. The late? Hold on. I got to Google this now. Uh, I often prematurely Dick Enberg. Wikipedia. Uh, died in t- 2017. Yeah. Dick Enberg. Okay. All right. Let's change gears 
and let's get you guys caught up on how you can become paid subscribers on our new platform, Red Circle. I know it's a bit of a to-do, but I'm going to bring on right now uh, my marketing and podcast guru, Chris Broussard from Enlutions.com. Take you three minutes. Hello. Hello. Grand Maestro. Okay. So we've changed platforms because we wanted to give people flexibility to get RSS feeds, that's a technical term, of the Friday subscription podcast on whatever platform, whatever app they like to use to listen to their podcasts. Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, who had been syndicating our podcast, did not offer that. And Red Circle, Nimble, and Upstart that they are, we're happy to be with them, is able to do that. Am I good so far? Dead on. Okay, now... The trick is, if you subscribe to Fridays, you have to get out of your Libsyn subscription and then sign up at Red Circle, and there's some people that are having a little bit of trouble with this, so walk them through the basic steps to do it. Okay. So, yeah, the first step is log into Libsyn, your Libsyn account. Go to zadcast.libsyn.com, log into that account, and then on the top of the page you'll see view account settings you log into that account and hit cancel and that will take you through to whenever you know your next billing cycle so if you subscribe on the 15th of the month that account will be live until may 15th okay then step two is go to uh, the easiest way to just go to zabe.com slash premium and on there are the instructions on how to sign up for the account. Now, to a lot of people have said, I don't want to get double billed. And so the idea on that is just make sure that you do that at the same time frame. So if you renewed on the 15th, you know, on the 15th, go to Red Circle and sign up and right. you won't get double billed. Right. In other words, so you're going to have to check when your billing cycle ends with Libsyn, correct? Because it could be any it, day of the month. It, it could be any day of the month if you care about the if you $2 care about or whatever. It. Right. If, if you can. And by the way, I, I, I don't diminish it. First of all, from an actual money standpoint, fuck you people. You're so cheap. Like you're worried about, ah, oh, I've double billed for $4. <laughs> but I get it and I respect it from a play yeah. in the game standpoint. From a play and in the game just standpoint. Last week. Someone just subscribed last week. So I get it. And that person will still get their full lips and premium subscription through the Zabecast app, which we can get into in a minute, but we will continue to post that for another 30 days, the premium episodes at least. Right, right. You don't have to change this second, but we we need everyone to scoot on over because this will eventually be the other platform. And in addition to being able to deliver the podcast premium version to any podcast player that you like or platform you like... We're giving you the option of a yearly subscription, which a lot of people asked for. Which that was I th- the number one question. I thought, which which was weird. It's like, don't you want the flexibility of month to month? And and a lot of people responded, yeah, but I've got accountants that I live with and sleep with, you know what I mean, that look at these little nickel-dime things and start wanting to cut it from the budget. If I pay for it all in one fell swoop, it washes under the bridge, and then I don't, don't have to worry about it. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And we get we give you eleven months for the price of twelve, so a little discount there if you sign up yearly. But if you don't want to sign up yearly at Red Circle, 
You don't have to. You can also do monthly over there. Mm -hmm. So while we apologize, we're making you march over to a whole new system. We're hoping you understand, okay, this will be better in multiple ways. Multiple ways. The red circle interface is simpler. I can't tell you how many times we get emails from people. How do I update my credit card? How do I get to my account? How do I do this? Very simple, much cleaner interface. Uh, the the team at Red Circle is extremely responsive. For yeah. Those few people who have made contact with them, many times you'll hear right back from Mike, the CEO of the company, um, and that says a lot about the difference between that and our previous platform, which was yeah not so responsive. Yeah, exactly. Got to go with the the more nimble upstarts that are doing great stuff. Tony Bruno's podcast is being hosted by Red Circle. Uh, Jerry Callahan from WEEI in Boston. So we're hopefully building a little network here of uh, good sports talk guys that are going to be with Red mm-hmm. Circle. Right. And so there you go. Yeah. All right. And the, the, other, the other key is, is if you're not a premium subscriber, this basically has no impact on you whatsoever. You've already been getting the, the regular Monday through Thursday episode through Red Circle since last week. The only thing that's going to affect you is that eventually the Zape cast app will be mothballed. Yeah. So you will need to resubscribe on iTunes or Pocket Cast or Player FM or one of those other apps that you like to use. Yeah. All right. Very good. All right there, Chris. We appreciate uh, all the behind-the-scenes work that you do, and uh, hopefully we'll get all our people migrating over. And for you freeloaders that are not paying and just going Monday through Thursday, shame on you. Shame. Shame. <laughs> okay. Did you tell them about the uh, URL on the website? No. Okay, just go to zabe.com slash red circle, and that has a ton of FAQs if you've got any issues on that. All right, zabe.com slash red circle plus zabe.com slash premium, and find out more there. Yes. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right. So there you go. Sorry to run you people around, but, well, there you go. I don't know if he deserves it or not, but, man, Norman Chad is getting killed for a column he wrote for the Washington Post. And I like Norman Chad's quirky sort of humor, and I think this column was meant to be sort of humorous, but it just came off, especially now, as a, really? Really, a dick? The headline is, the pandemic has reminded us we don't need more sports in our lives. We need less. He writes, believe it or not, believe it or not, and saying this might get me fired by the end of the sentence, We don't need more sports in our lives. We need less. Granted, I speak as someone less affected by the safer-at-home order than most. I went from self-isolation to self-isolation, so it's no big deal. Now, that's a ha-ha joke about being, you know, a loner and not a people person. But it's a very casual thing to say, even though he says, look, I'm not as affected. A lot of people's lives are fucked up and they're mentally in not a good spot because of this. They're missing their friends and their class, especially younger people. So to be flip about that, I think right away sets them off on the wrong path. He then goes into an anti-gun rant because he said, here in America, we have drifted. I saw a photo the other day of a fella in Raleigh, North Carolina, walking into a subway strapped with an M136 AT4 launcher. I saw that photo. There was apparently a group of men 
uh, who wanted to flex their Second Amendment muscles, and they went into Subway with these huge, insane guns on their backs. He says, what are the chances he ordered a veggie wrap? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Here's the thing. Guys like Norman Chad, who I pretty much guarantee are anti-Second Amendment and probably scared of guns, look at these photos and they're like triggered. I look at that photo and I say, cool. I kind of wish I'd been in the subway. I would have been like, wow, what is that thing? That's cool. And if it is a M136 AT4 launcher, I would have asked about it. I would have been like, wow, I didn't know these were illegal. Okay, cool. You carry it around. Because here's the thing. Those men, they're not there to threaten you and I and other citizens. That move and the reason that people are doing this is because they're sick of their civil liberties being shit on right now. And this is the only way, and thank God it is, to flex a little bit of muscle and to at least remind some people, hey, thank God we got the Second Amendment. They're not of any threat to anybody. In fact, you would feel as safe as can be because if some maniac came into that subway and started threatening people, there's four dudes there, one with a rocket launcher maybe, who could say, hey, calm down. Don't bother that person. But okay, so that's in this, we need less sports in our life. By the way, we can't get any less sports, Norm. We got nothing. He writes, naturally, we become ESPN. But honestly, I try to blame ESPN for everything excessive and execrable. The boys in Bristol don't shape our culture as much as they reflect it. Alas, during this sports dry pandemic, ESPN ranked the top 74 basketball sneakers ever worn by NBA players. I repeat, they ranked the top 74 sneakers ever. Yeah, because we're bored, Norm. We're desperate, Norm. We miss sports, Norm. He goes on to crap on the Michael Jordan documentary which is unfortunate because I think we're all enjoying that. And it just came off as tone deaf. I know he, he's trying to be funny. But here's the thing. Our industry is something else in that there's so many people in it that don't want to stand up for sports, that don't want to stand up for our right to exist, and the value of what we do. It's almost like, they're in the sports biz, but they hate it. Or they're seemingly want to pretend like they're above it. Or they're sports writers who just don't want to write about the sports. They want to write about issues. And they want to write about cultural things. Whatever. Pam Shavatkin, who is the daughter of the great uh, uh, Shavatkin. Oh, why can't I think of his first? I really think my brain is going. This is it's very concerning. Rich Shvatkin. Play-by-play voice of the Georgetown Hoyas. Hoyas win! Hoyas win! Hoyas win! His daughter Pam, who's a badass, is in live TV sports production. She travels all over the country, all over the world, and does all kinds of stuff as a production assistant, director. I don't even know what her title is, but she's a badass. Anyway, she tweeted, and I agree with this. There's been a lot of talk today about the necessity of sports. Why? The passion? It ignites something in all of us? It's the elegance, the competition, the history, our identification with great athleticism, and most importantly, it's a sense of community with great storytelling. 
Amen to that. Norm, I don't know, man. You've written a lot of funnier stuff than that. That one just came off as, really? Okay. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. All right, time to talk to Charge. I will not try to make him sync up the Lukaku's. Hey, good day, eh? All right, I, I already did the Luca Kuka Kuka Coos oh, because I was waiting. I well, was waiting for my cue. Well, the problem is we figured out it was delayed, so it was just yeah. never going to sync up. We'll have to. Yeah, you're probably right. We'll figure it out again. But anyway, it is good to talk to Church on a beautiful May Monday. Great song. Did you uh, enjoy your Mother's Day dinner? Was it with your Mima herself? It was. I think technically we broke the law um, here in Minnesota, <laughs> I, I believe. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was considered essential to see your mother on Mother's Day around here. And in this state, that's probably enough to get somebody to call the cops on you. But I think I got away with it, Zabe. Oh, my God. I, you know, I, wrote a, I read a story about your state uh, over the weekend, and I texted you going, what is going on up there? I mean, literally the whole state has had, what, 500 and some odd deaths and about 84. Four percent of them have been in nursing homes, and you are still on lockdown. And ninety-seven percent have been people with a pre-existing condition. And so this is the you know, the coronavirus is the the other thing that you know brings you down. So you would really think that when you put those numbers together, all we really need to do is just protect these people that are in congregated living of course. that have that or and or people that have other symptoms and for the rest of us we can you know to at least some degree get back on with our lives and our careers and you know so maintaining you know a semblance what, of what we had what is it with minnesota i know it's a very liberal state it's the one state that uh, mondale carried right Back that's exactly day. right. We, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, we it's, were the one. It, right. It's the garbage time field goal that Mondale kicked back in 84. So that ought to tell you just how reliably <laughs> liberal it is. But are, are is anyone getting restless? Is there anyone saying this is fucking madness? We've got to do something here because we're fine. Is when you, yeah, people are, and then they get, they get shamed, right? I mean, it's, you know, they get shamed in, in virtually every way possible around here. And it's, um, there's, there's only one acceptable solution in our state, and that is to stay indoors. And if you do anything else, you are one of the bad guys and, and you, you want, and you want people to die. I mean, and, that's always where it goes to, right? If, if you have, if you've got a concern about the careers of everybody else in Minnesota, you want people to die. If you have a concern about an authoritarian state that has got phone numbers you can you can dial to snitch on other people and call in the cops if you see you see people together, then you want people to die. If you want to see the return of a healthy economy, you want people to die. And that's just oh, it's frustrating. So, so what is Minnesota waiting for? Zero deaths per day? Oh no, because they they won't tell us what the they won't tell us what the goals are, so we don't know. We have we have a governor who just he he really gets to decide everything. Our legislature has no say in it, and we you know we're beholden to whatever he tells us to do. We have one person controlling the lives of five million people. It's unbelievable. By the way, the uh, death the the reporting on Sunday, and it maybe it's a Sunday reporting lag, 
only 600 deaths in the U.S. total. And the three states that a lot of blue check marks were flipping out about, Florida, Texas, mm-hmm. and Georgia. Georgia. You, you yeah. ready? You ready? You ready for their death totals? Florida, four. Georgia, what? four. Texas, five. Oh my God. Well, so then let's let's put that in parallel, and it's not it's not necessarily fair, but everybody believes Andrew Cuomo has done such a great job with New York that New York that he should he should become he should take over Joe Biden's spot on the ticket, and that we should just sort of anoint him as the as the uh, as the Democratic nominee. How many has New York got? Oh well, yeah, but even New York, get this: the state of New. It, first of all, Cuomo's done just about everything wrong. His approval rating is. 88%. 88%, right. And you just, you, you shake your head and go, I don't get it. I mean, a lot of it is, of course, the media is not going to go after him like they would a Republican. But New Yorkers elected Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio is a fucking idiot on the, on the, on the clearest day possible. <laughs> and, and I guess people get in a way of thinking, you know, New Yorkers are very provincial. They're like, he's our guy. Like, yeah. they don't want to think that their guy is somehow doing a shit job. But yeah. the, the whole thing with the nursing homes, that's that's the, the real scandal. When it, when the epitaph of this whole thing is written, it'll say, we protected the beaches and left the nursing homes wide open. I think you're right about that. I, I think you're right. And I, uh, but even, yeah. even still, New York, state of New York reported 34 deaths. That's it. That's it. Who would have thought yeah. 60 days in on what was supposed to be 15 days to flatten the curve – that 60 days in, you'd get to a 34 number in New York for the whole state. For a population, yeah. New York State is probably what? I think New York City is 8 million people alone, and then you add upstate and more, it's probably another 4 million. Probably a 12 million population state, 34 deaths, and they are still hard lockdown. Holy shit. <laughs> whole state, too, by the way. Well, You know, you would think, you would think they would treat... Um, upstate. Yeah, I, upstate's know, Buffalo, dying. Like, They're like, Buffalo, yes. The, the greater Chictawaga area the would be treated differently than, you know, than Brooklyn would be. So, and well, I, it's, well, I anyway, it's, it's frustrating. All right, we move on because I'm sure I'll get two uh, Karens that are like, you guys are not, you don't understand. Blah, blah, blah. Moving on. How about this? Uh, let's talk about Trevor Bauer's phone number getting leaked on ESPN. Did you see that? No, what happened? He was doing a FaceTime interview with ESPN, and they just put his whole phone screen up on the screen, and it says FaceTime with six six one nine nine three two nine zero five. That's pretty great. Now, if I'm him, I think I would try to turn it into a bit, and I would say, "All right, he who did. wants to talk? He who wants did. to talk?" He you did. Know, or I he, would turn into like, hey, you know what? I'll take the call. You text some, you know, you text some charity or something and show me a screen grab of the charity and we'll talk. Whatever. Something like that. Yeah, he did. He uh, he said, what I'm going to do is I'll give away a pair of signed cleats and an autographed baseball. And he left a voicemail uh, on, on his phone at that number on the rules for collecting. It got so swamped like with calls, though, they eventually got disconnected on Sunday. So he's yeah. going to be in the camp of new phone, who for dis. Sure. So, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised this stuff doesn't happen more often. Now, you know, because, you know, you can't, you don't always know 
on your phone. And, you know, just imagine if if I were to go just scrolling through your phone, what I would turn up. Who knows? Right. Could be good. Could be bad. But one of the classic things that's happened, Zabe, where reporters, this was ESPN. There'll be news reporters who are trying to show something on their phone and like their phone browser. And oh, yeah. The, They'll type in, they're trying to type something else, but then their history will pre-populate and you'll be able to see like Pornhub or some other, you know, something of that ilk that wants to come up because of the frequency it has already been typed in. Yeah, there was a, right. And there was a professor that got fired because during one of his teaching lectures online, they saw one of his bookmarks in the bookmark bar of his browser. Yeah. Said, College busty teens. <laughs> Gone. Gone. Yeah, that's that's going to be tricky right there. How, now imagine, imagine, by the way, I'm, I'm angling to be a professor in the spring. Are you um, really? I am. I am working with the University of Minnesota on designing a sports communication course right now as we speak. You're and I'm genius. And so I'm, well, I've got a kid that's going to head to college in four years. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm already, I'm already starting to pad the bills a little bit. Okay. So here's the thing. Imagine you get called into the Dean's office for that. Now, you know, it's one thing to get called into the principal's office because, um, you gave Billy Smith a wedgie. Right. Now this one is going to be trickier. When you've <laughs> the bunch of your classmates have ID'd you for having a college, what was it? College Co- busty, busty college, college girl teens? teens or something like teens? that. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it was, tricky. it was bookmarked. Like, I don't want to shush. Come on, scraps. Settle down. Is that scraps? Hello? Oh no! That was that was I I, put, I muted oh. you while they were barking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. that was a little scraps and pepper action right there. Yeah, scraps and pepper. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. So back to this college thing. So you just cooked up a course and you went and pitched it. I did to That's the University exactly of Minnesota. And yes. have they approved it yet? It's in the approval process. So and here's if it gets approved. How, yeah. Are you going to be a full salaried professor at the University of Minnesota? I will be a, I will not be a full salaried professor. I will be an adjunct, which basically means you're like a part-timer. And that I will teach one class. I I only have a regular B BS, BA, BS, right? I I only have my my regular degree. Where'd you go to college have, by the way? I don't think I ever at, asked that. At the U of M. And I went through the journalism program okay. at the University of Minnesota. We call it U of M. What do you call Maryland there? Is that the U of M or just Maryland? Mm, usually just Maryland. All right. So anyway, I, I blind emailed the Dean of the college and just said, I am a, I'm a former graduate who's got all of these skills and life experience. Do you have any adjunct professor openings? She came back in sports media specifically, and they only have one sports media class in the journalism department. So I was like, you know, if you're, if you're looking for somebody, I'm available. And then that they immediately, they got back in touch with me and Oh, damn, phone's cutting out. Shake your phone. I think there's some uh, swimming pool water in it. There we go. How's that right there? Yeah, that grab hold. Be a little better. Grab hold of a metal antenna or something like that. Okay, All so right. they came right back to you, which they yeah. which was shocking, and they're like, yeah. So what what did you have to do to craft a class then? 
Well, then I, they already had one sports media class, so we had to figure out what they didn't have. Taught and by who? By me. No. So, oh, oh the other class we have—it's yeah. a, a newspaper. It's a newspaper guy, guy that does guy that's in our that uh, works at the Star Tribune. The, 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 the common Tennessee man. Newspaper. No, there is a common man though. Where he works on my station. I know he does. Um, yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Anyway, so now I've got I have a stack sitting immediately to my left of five possible course books, and they're all like 300 pages long. And I'm evaluating five different course books and trying to figure out what the course was going to look like. I've already built a syllabi. Now I have to figure out what it would say for 15 weeks of classes, two two days a week. Wow. And yeah, I and and by the way, the money is crap. It's so bad. <laughs> My time is worth so much more than this same. So why are you it's doing it? It's terrible. Life experience. Okay. For the resume, I mean, for the bragging no, rights. No, not for the resume. And not, well, although honestly, once I take that job, you and everybody else I know must call me professor. <laughs> I will not do it. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have uh, on our station at 97.3 The Game, Kevin Brandt, who is a professor, and I bring him mm. on as the professor because he teaches marketing, copywriting, and content ideation for Marquette University. But it's Ooh. a side hustle, and like you, I don't think it pays very much, but he does it, and he's probably pretty good at it as well. I've known some media people here in the D.C. market who have also taught classes at various universities. So... I mean, that's great, Charge. Good for you. Yeah, I think it's I, – I just want to do it because I think it's going to be fun, and I do love teaching. As a true story, and you have no reason to know this about me, I taught my way through college as a computer trainer, a classroom-style computer trainer teaching what was then like WordPerfect and early versions of Microsoft Word and Excel and Lotus 123. And so I've already done some teaching. I love it. And so I just think – I think it will be fun and – I'm going to work really, really hard to not bookmark college teen. Busties, yeah. Busty college yeah. teens, whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, well, I'll, let's keep our fingers crossed because the hay's not in the barn yet, right? It is not. The, yeah. the school has to approve it based on the syllabus that I have written. All right. Uh, did you see this story? Syracuse University has had a startup company approach them about a drone that can fly indoors at stadiums and spray disinfectant to kill <laughs> the coronavirus. <laughs> Wait a minute. We have a disin. Well, I guess it's any disinfectant can do it, like it would, Lysol or whatever can yeah, do it. But it would be a little, sh- a, a little light, misty shower of Lysol as you're in an arena. Well, I guess they do it when there's not fans in the stands. Oh, okay. I thought they were going to do it to the fans. Like we're all going to get, I thought we were just going to all get misted while we were sitting there <laughs> exactly. into your beer, right? You got your open oh, beer. God. And, yeah. God, you know, making Budweiser taste even worse. It's amazing. They're like, look, we can crop dust the whole stadium with this drone. <laughs> and here it is. I'm looking at it right now. It's this big ass quadcopter. Ah, God. You know, there's going to be a lot of companies that rush in right now and try to capitalize on a lot of this stuff. That when oh, for sure, it, it, which in six to eight months, charge we're gonna be laughing like, yeah, remember, we used to have drones that were like, we're gonna clear the <laughs> coronavirus. I mean, this shit is not gonna be that long lived. The, the people that think this is gonna be a, a two year siege, I'm telling you, I'm betting the under on it. I'm not saying it's gonna be over tomorrow, but I think there's too many people invested in the apocalyptic fear porn of 
two years before we finally get this thing under control. I don't buy it. I think in eight well, months to be like, what were we wasting our time on with a drone that could spray Lysol? Because <laughs> why uh, not? Let's, let's re- we only have to back up, uh, I don't know, like four weeks ago when they were telling us there was going to be 100 million deaths, right? Oh, well, and, yeah, and, of you course. Know, it, you know, it was, uh, it, the, the doomsayers have been it was not this narrative. It's not 100 million. It was 2.2 million. Let's get it straight, okay? Well, it, in America. <laughs> In America, right. We, 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 yeah. We're not even close to that yet. Have you seen where apparently Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports won the auction from the NFL's draft night charity auction to be at a game in Roger Goodell's fan cave? Oh, God. No, that's awesome. Oh, oh. yes. What are they going to do with it? Uh, well, here's the thing. So, you know, Portnoy, of course, uh, his company was sold to uh, Penn Gaming right before mm-hmm. the pandemic. And, you know, he's all of a sudden at least worth $50 million. And he's a degenerate right. gambler. And so then he becomes Davy Day Trader Global during the pandemic. And he's throwing around millions of bucks, trading stocks and recording it all. It's pretty funny <laughs> and all. But when he saw this, because, you know, he's the one that invented the uh, clown Roger Goodell Barstool T-shirts that have sold a billion copies worldwide, or at least in the U.S., he's like, I'm going to win this because I want to sit there and make him squirm and make him uncomfortable, watch a Monday night football (laughs) game with a commissioner in his fan cave. And so he said he he would go up to a million dollars to win the auction. It doesn't say on this screen cap what he paid, but he did include a screen cap on Sunday night saying, you have won auction number 3136325. Please update your payment information. And Portnoy tweeted, you are fucking right. I want it at NFL commish. Better not fuck (laughs) me. See you soon, commish. Wow. Holy cow. That's going to be a worst case scenario. Do you the NFL think, and Roger and Roger Goodell? Do you oh. think they will let him do that? Yes. Do you think because they will of, let him the, film content for use on Barstool Sports? Because if you can't film it, it's worthless to Barstool and to Portnoy. Um, is it? I mean, you know, almost you it's cut, almost worthless. They won't let him film it because they don't have to let him film it. And they don't have to, they can, I know why would they? Right. So no, they, they won't. Okay. Um, but he can tell his story however he wants to tell it after the fact. And I, I think if they were to, they're trying to stop it from happening altogether, there'd be legal repercussions and all kinds of bad PR. You could never do it. Well, but, but they've they, already, they, they they've already, what he can do with it. They've already kicked him out of a Super Bowl, a couple Super Bowls ago in Atlanta. Remember? He was wearing the stupid mustache, mm-hmm. and they 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 march him out at halftime when they finally find him. <laughs> so, what if what if afterwards, you know, there's a little bit he's he's able to film something. It's not as confrontational as you would think, and suddenly Portnoy afterwards is like, you know what? I think at least we're we have some understanding now. How badly would that hurt his image? If at this point El Presidente goes soft on Goodell, yeah, yeah, it'll be terrible because why would he? He's been paid. He's got nothing to protect at this point. He can't. He wouldn't. I would like to think he would not go soft at this point because he has he has no reason to. There's he has nothing. To, I know. nothing to lose. But nothing sometimes, on the line. sometimes though, you get you get sort of enveloped in that power circle, and you get mm-hmm. you get a little whiff of being in rarefied air. 
Yeah. And you get a little bit drunk on it and you think it happens. You think this could be good for Barstool. Like if we can have a tentative truce with the league, this could, you know, your brain starts to spin a little bit and you start to rationalize, well, I'll crack some jokes on the commissioner and that'll satisfy the people that are our fans. They're like, fuck this guy. He fucked the Patriots. He's a liar. You hate him. And, and, and you, know, you rationalize it. I think well, it's look a at, look, dangerous look at Mike, thing. Look at Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. That thing, when it was in its infancy, it was brutally hard was on it really? ESPN and the NFL. Brutally hard. And I re- people people who had jobs in the NFL feared Pro Football Talk. And they talked about how Pro Football Talk would ruin careers. Really? And that they were letting, yeah, letting out state secrets and all kinds of stuff. And then... He got bought by NBC, and now he plays the game, and he's totally. still sometimes, still sometimes critical of the league and things that happen. He still has his opinions, but nothing no. like he was before. You're right. You're right. He t- he picks his shots, and it, it of course you know was worth millions of dollars to Florio because he's on NBC mm-hmm. Football Night in America, and yep. he is in a higher preferred orbit of the NFL ecosystem. And so he's not going to bite the hand that feeds him. Now, I believe in government charts, the the concept of this, and I read it once, was called regulatory capture, where in Washington, a lot of times we have these agencies that are meant to regulate businesses and whatnot, like, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. But the businesses get so big and they spend so much money on their own lobbyists and they're so shrewd that they worm their way in with the agencies supposedly regulating them. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute, FDA, why did you do this? Oh, that's right, because Pfizer said it will hurt our off-patent whatevers. Regulatory yeah. capture. The big companies actually like a parasite take over and they capture the decision-making of the entity supposedly regulating them. Beyond that, Zabe, the other part of it is they will then craft the regulations so it, they will work they will work to make sure the regulations <laughs> right. are crafted just right for them right. and upstart upstart companies can't get in because they can't afford the cost of regulation. Yeah. And you know, we saw it happen in the fantasy industry. And it's you know, you get you get regulated and you get to you get to be some industry that's so big you get regulated, but you then Washington can't write their own regulations. So who do they go to for help regulating? Who does the who wrote all the banking regulations? The, the banking banks. lobby. The I banking know. lobby did. And now you don't have mom and pop banks anymore because they can't they can't be in the business. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think the only thing that would satisfy me and many other stool I'm not a stoolie, but the thing that would satisfy the satisfy the stoolies is you get this audience with the commish after paying a whole lot of money to charity. And then you film it on your phone against their wishes, and your first chance possible, you dump a big bowl of guacamole right on <laughs> Roger's head and run out of the room and publish it to the internet so it can be captured forever. Anything short of that, I'll be disappointed. Okay, El Presidente? I hope, uh, I can only hope it is, in fact, guacamole. All right, Charge. Good to talk to you as always, bud. We'll You're chat next week. See ya. Bye bye. I'll end on this today. I got to see my parents today for the first time in months. They had come back from Arizona where they winter now uh, about a week ago. 
And it was Mother's Day, and, you know, I didn't want to push it on my mom like, you know, oh, can we come by and see you? Because, you know, my mom and dad are over 80 years old, and, you know, they're in that risk zone. And so we're not going to go give them the Rona, but we've been pretty good, and we weren't going to go over there and hug and kiss and get all close and whatnot. But it was just great to see them. And it was a beautiful afternoon, finally. Uh, Saturday in, in the D.C. area was freezing-ass cold for May. It was ridiculous. High in, high of 48, I believe. One of the coldest May 9ths we've had ever on record. Got snow in parts of the Northeast uh, Saturday morning, which was a real kick to the balls. But uh, anyway, I uh, <laughs> just seeing my parents was great. It was wonderful. And uh, <laughs> what's great is that... <laughs> It seems like more and more when we're sitting there talking, my mom and dad get into it more and more with each other in terms of sniping back and forth. And I want to back my dad whenever possible. And he's like, your mom doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me. Like, mom turns around and like, Jim, that's not what it is. And my in-laws are sort of like this as well. I think I joked at one point, I go, you know, it's not too late to get divorced, mom and dad. We could still make that happen. But anyway, um, what was great was that my dad tells me he's getting himself an electric bicycle for Father's Day, but he's going to have it shipped to my house because my mom doesn't want him to have it because she thinks he's going to fall and kill himself, which 50-50, she's probably right. But I, I want my dad to have fun things in life. And he said he tried one out in Arizona, and it was great, and he used it. He rented one, and I'm like, okay, there's nowhere to ride out here safely like there is in the suburbs of Phoenix, but okay, whatever. So now I'm thinking, well, i got to be complicit in this thing if I'm going to take receipt of the bike at my house, and then I've got to, what, lie about it to my mom? And my mom is probably listening. Ma, don't listen to this podcast right now. Anyway, we could work it out. Meanwhile, my... When my dad goes to go get himself a beer, (laughs) my mom's like, he's not wearing his hearing aids anymore. And I'm like, oh, man. My mom had been on a years-long quest to get my dad fitted for hearing aids. And my dad, being stubborn and a Pollock, you know, just was like, nah. He finally got them. And I thought he liked them. I was like, oh, good. He likes them now. And... (laughs) She, I said, does he wear them at all? And she says, yeah, I'll put him in to, to listen to the television, to listen to the news. And then he takes him out. And I said to my mom, I go, well, that might be a comment on you, mom. I'm just saying. <laughs> and she laughed. God bless my mom and her sense of humor. I said, does he wear them any other time? And she goes, well, when they when we go out to dinner, maybe with friends. And I go, well, again, I'm just saying, might be a commentary on you. Anyway, I love my parents. I'm so blessed they're alive and healthy and uh, back here on the East Coast. It was great to see them, and I'm looking forward to, in the not-so-distant future, even more normalized visits and functions and parties and affairs, etc., with them, like we all are, like everybody right now in this world is. The little things in life, the little things of gathering is what I think we are all missing so badly. That'll be it for today. Thank you for downloading. Don't forget, like we said, we've changed to Red Circle. If you get a chance, subscribe. Cancel out of your Libsyn. Resubscribe at Red Circle. If you don't want to get it double-charged, wait till your cycle ends. Then hop on over. 12 months for the price of 11. And best of all, you get your Zabe delivered on any platform that you want. Quality content is worth paying a fair price for, and I hope you do as well. 
Rate and review so our algorithm is looking good and gets promoted and tell some friends who like good podcasts. Hey, here's one that is worth your time. Have a great Monday, folks, and we will see you tomorrow. Whoa.